Well, good morning. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to our second week of this year's mission and stewardship emphasis, faithful participants in God's mission. Last week, we talked about being an ambassador for Christ, and we talked about the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation, it's a big word, right? Because of our sinful nature, there's a problem. We rebel against God. We do not seek Him, but instead seek to be independent of Him, right? Uh, We don't want to do things the way that God wants us to do them. Uh, We don't want to do them uh, how He says to do them. We are going to do it our own way. And uh, we are therefore estranged. The relationship is strained, to say the least. Uh, We're hostile to what God wants for us and often see him as an enemy, whether we want to admit it or not. However, there is good news, as we talked about last week, because Christ certainly is an ambassador of the Father's love, right? A perfect ambassador. In Christ, God reconciled, that is, he repaired the broken relationship to himself. Through the cross of Christ and through the Lord's empty tomb, your sin has been taken away. Your guilt has been atoned for. Jesus restored that relationship that our sin breaks and broke. And he does it so that he draws near to us to draw us to God. That's right. That is God's total aim. To have fellowship with you. To have fellowship. To bring you into eternal fellowship and communion with him so that you may abide in his presence and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, the Lord's full presence, we have to realize, is what made Eden a paradise. And restoring Eden is what the Lord seeks to do and what he does, what he's doing, not just in the future, right? Not just in the future, but in the present, in the here and in the now. Now, we all have ideas about how this happens. But Jesus makes it clear that he abides and dwells with his people right now in specific ways. And last week we talked about fortunately, fortunately for each and every one of us, someone brought you into the church to receive his reconciliation. Somehow, some way, someone was an ambassador for Christ, bringing you to receive his salvation through what we call the means of grace. That's the ministry part. Ministry of reconciliation, ministry, ministry of word and sacrament, a way to distribute God's salvation, God's forgiveness, God's love directly into the lives of sinful people. Things that the Lord himself has commanded us to do. God claimed you as his child and joined you to Christ in holy baptism. That's a promise he made. That he would pour out his Holy Spirit in you. Nurture you through his God-given and Spirit-filled word. To keep you in your faith. To keep you in your baptismal grace. To bring you to the sacrament of our Lord's body and blood. To receive Jesus himself. The forgiveness of sins. The strengthening of your faith. Directly into your life. And he does these things because where there is forgiveness of sins, there's life and salvation. And where the Spirit of God is, there is faith in that salvation. So, yes, we have received reconciliation with God, a completely restored relationship, not one of distance. That's not what God wants, uh, but one 
of us being close, of one of him drawing near to us and us to him. But as we discussed last week, we have to get past the idea that church is just me and Jesus and that's it. It's all about me. In the same chapter as our text for today, Paul writes this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Um, the you in the Greek is y'all. It's not you, it's you all. Okay, that's important. The congregation in Corinth had slipped into the trap of making it all about me, right? Letting earthly things get in the way. Paul points out that strife and jealousy plagued the church there. And in today's text, comparing their status against others, things had gotten so far off the rails that people actually started asserting, I follow. Apollos, I follow Paul. Do you notice who's missing in this whole assertion? Jesus. That's a problem. Paul wants, wanted the congregation in Corinth to see that he and Apollos were not at odds. It's not a competition. They were simply servants of Christ doing the things that Christ had given them to do. And more importantly, the church was not ultimately what they were doing for God, but rather what God was doing in their midst, for them, in them, through them. Using an analogy of farming, for example, Paul said that he planted. During his first 18 months in Corinth, he became the church's first spiritual father. He did, he was church planting. He started the congregation. And then Apollos comes along and waters the sprouts that Paul had sown through his preaching and teaching and through proving to people that Jesus was the Christ. As any farmer can tell you, however, humans don't actually cause plants to grow. That comes from God and God alone. Yeah, it can, you can provide the, the situation, the circumstances for the growth to occur, but it's God who grants the growth. It's interesting because Paul actually displaces not only um, what he's done, but sort of his personhood in terms of his importance, not referring to himself as a who. Did you notice that? But to a what? That's weird. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? And the expected response is, Nothing. Servants, yes, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, as we discussed. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. And then for we, he's talking about Apollos and himself, are God's fellow workers. You, y'all, or God's field and God's building. So what does that mean? We're in a mission and stewardship emphasis, so you might have heard things in the past like, well, if you don't do your part, 
we're not going to be able to get God's work done. There's some kernel of truth to that, but the truth is God doesn't need our works. He doesn't need us at all. His will is done. But we pray that it may be done among us. That is the point of stewardship. The point is, is that he plants us in Christ and waters us so that we grow into the image of Christ. You understand? That's the point. Grow in the image of Christ to love God and love neighbor. That's what he's doing. Our lives in the church can't be based on our ideas. It must be based on God's word. We're being conformed to the image of Christ to love God and serve neighbor. You have a vocation in the church, in a congregation, just like you have a vocation in other areas of life. Spouse, parent, child, employee, citizen, right? So let's unpack this a little bit. As a member of a family, right, as we talked about with the kids, I pray that you don't say, okay, um, I'm in a family, but it's all about me and Jesus and that's it. You would never say things like, I know I'm forgiven in Christ, so I'm not going to participate in family life at all. Nothing needs to be done. Jesus has done it all. We're good. Right? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. At your job, you would never say something like, ah, it's just me and Jesus here. <laughs> Although sometimes you might feel like that. I'm forgiven in Christ. I don't need to go in and do the work. He's done everything that's needed. We're good. You're a citizen of this country. I hope you would never say something like, well, Jesus, it's just you and me alone again. I know I'm forgiven in Christ, so I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to follow the, the rules. I'm not going to follow the laws of the land. I'm not going to pay taxes, right? I know you'd never do any of that, right? You have a vocation as a member of a congregation, as a faithful participant in God's mission. So again, what Paul writes to the church in Corinth is you are God's field. You are God's building. That's what he writes to Corinth. But beautiful Savior, members of beautiful Savior, it's the same thing with you. You are God's field, God's building. Whose field? God's. Whose building? God's. It's easy to forget that, right? I'm very appreciative to our gardeners. They're taking a break from the beautiful Savior garden and the beautiful Savior backyard right now. But God never stops. He never stops planting. He never stops watering, never stops building. And we mentioned that our primary, yes, our primary vocation is to receive the gifts that God seeks to give. Like plants need good soil, they need good clean air, they need water, they need sunshine in proper measure. So do we need God's planting through his word and spirit so that faith does not wither and die and become all about me instead of what God seeks to do in us. You know, I know I say it all the time, I just can't help it. Advent's almost here, I know, I know, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll begin preparing for Christmas. You've probably already been doing that. 
And I always think, I always think, and, I, and I'm sorry about it, but I always think of poor Charlie Brown in the Christmas special who couldn't figure out why he didn't understand Christmas and why he was always disappointed. He was so focused on himself that he didn't realize that the true meaning of Christmas was Jesus, but not just Jesus for him, right? When we miss what God is seeking to do for us and in us, we can't understand church as something that's just beyond us. Right? It's all about me and my needs. And yes, it is about your needs, but that's not all. Because when we go to church, we think, oh, I better, we better go this week. Otherwise, you know, if we don't, something terrible is going to happen to us. Uh, we, then we just see God as this terrible tyrant who's waiting to drop the hammer. If we think it's just about knowing Jesus and we already know that, we're good, there's no reason to come. Either way, we're focused. We're not focused on what God is seeking to do for us, in us, and through us. Right? Conforming us to the likeness of His Son. Restoring our humanity so that we can love God and serve neighbor. And so the approach of this, when it's all about me, uh, from this perspective, it compelled Paul to write this. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? See? We often lose sight of what God is seeking to do for us and in us. He doesn't want us to remain infants. Who will do nothing. You know, infants can't do a whole lot for other people, right? What is he seeking to do to move you, y'all, you and you all, from faithful participants who have received his mercy in Christ to now being faithful participants, living the gospel through the spirit in the whole life of stewardship that the Lord has given and entrusted to you. But that's not even the best part. Again, the best part is God is seeking to restore his image in you. Seeks to give you your full, hum I can't stress it enough, your full humanity back. Mold you and shape you into the image of Christ. That's what's happening. You remember him, right? Christ, who came to bear your burdens. Christ, who had compassion on those who were suffering. Who was moved to action. Christ, who always did the will of his Father in heaven. Even if it meant going to synagogue on the Sabbath, even if it meant putting others' needs before his own, even if it meant loving his neighbor as himself and sacrificing for others. That's what God seeks to do in all of us, to mold and shape us into the image of Christ. Let's all allow God to work. Let's... We don't ask God to bless what we're doing, right? God brings us to what he is doing because it is already blessed.
Through the gospel. Yes, through the gospel. You are fellow workers because you are God's field. And you are God's building. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.